At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. I don't know if you've heard, but there is a phenomenal international publication called The Psychic News, based in the UK. It's been covering psychic mediums and metaphysical studies for years. They've done a lot of groundbreaking, great work. We happen to have the editor of that publication on a program tonight. Very excited about this. And we are going to do a forensic soul analysis on this very esteemed gentleman so this is a first time, epic, epic first. And would you believe that the Psychic News actually had a gut feeling in advance that we would be reaching out to them to have them on the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show? Oh. I can't believe it either. Let us begin tonight's program. Our guest today on the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show is Mr. Roy Stenham. He's the editor of Psychic News. This is a newspaper that's been established since 1932. Every month they present interesting stories about the latest development of psychics. Um, they have a lot of phenomenal stories, always cutting edge. Mr. Stenham, great honor to have you with us today. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me. So, Psychic News, established in 1932. What was the incentive and the motivation for this newspaper to come together, especially at a time when it seemed very cutting edge because you don't, you didn't have a lot of people at the time. It doesn't seem to be fully embracing the phenomenon of psychic mediums and the idea that people could have this extrasensory perception. The, the focus uh, was very much on spirit communication. Um, and it, uh, we, we remain a spiritualist uh, publication. We are now a magazine uh, monthly rather than a newspaper, which it was in the, in the 1930s uh, when it was a weekly newspaper. And there was a big demand. It had a very big circulation. And the reason for that very clearly was that 1932 was the smack in the middle of two world wars, the First World War was so horrific in terms of the loss of uh, people that went off to fight, um, and lots of bereaved families were looking for uh, proof that their loved ones had uh, continued uh, to survive in another dimension. Uh, and the Fox sisters in America in 1848 had uh, kick-started spiritualism, of course, and it didn't take long for, for it to leap across the Atlantic. And uh, and we had a by 1932 there was a thriving spiritualist uh, community in in the UK, and so um, uh, it it really started from there. The the editor um, or the founders rather were a man called Hannon Swapper who was the top journalist in those days. He had his own column in a, in a weekly newspaper. Uh, he was a theater critic. He was a, quite a, a, an exuberant sort of individual, chain-smoked cigarettes, and uh, he, was, he was a character. But he was a great orator, and he would speak at public meetings almost every weekend about the evidence for uh, spirit communication that he had personally received. Um, and that came initially from somebody called Lord Northcliffe, who was the Rupert Murdoch of his day, really. Um, and that evidence convinced Alan Swaffer that we did all survive after death and could communicate through mediums. Um, so 
so he was a, a great public speaker. And Maurice Barbonell was a, a very good trance medium. And he and Swaffer really teamed up and went around the country uh, talking about their experiences. And in the end, they decided it was time to give birth to a newspaper that reported on all these activities. And Maurice Barbonell became the uh, founding editor of the newspaper. This is, it seems that you are establishing an outpost for the, like the eternity, from where we all come from. Like you're establishing an outpost like, okay, to remind people, okay, this is where you, you come from. Do you feel that your publication is a lot about metaphysical exploration? Do you feel that it is about bringing people together who are aware of their gifts, who are aware of this, to kind of come together and find some kind of community in a world that it seems on a larger scale is really much into the five senses. They're not really into extrasensory perception. I'm sure a lot of people are embracing it, but most people are into what they see and what they hear and what they read. So do you feel that you have an uh, obligation to bring people together to establish some form of community in order to provide co uh, consolation to others who are seeking uh, psychic uh, abilities? Yes, in a way. I mean, the, the thrust of the newspaper back in the 1930s was providing evidence of uh, another world and, and spirit communication. Um, today, I'm pleased to say that um, although scientifically it may not be widely accepted still, I think the, the great public at large is far more accepting of a whole range of metaphysical uh, concepts and ideas and certainly in our pages we we mirror that so although spiritualist philosophy and the work of various mediums uh, and the evidence they provide is still i would say the backbone of the publication um, we obviously explore the spiritual philosophy behind that, and then a whole range of topics from near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, remote viewing, um, ESP, obviously, um, and almost anything, uh, a dowsing, uh, anything that will uh, open minds to the fact that, that we, we are, first and foremost, we are spirits living in a physical body, if you like. And as spirits, we have uh, access to a whole range of uh, uh, influences, if you like, or information that comes to us if, if we're prepared to um, sit and develop those. Some, some people it comes naturally to, others find they can develop. And we, we really don't try to limit the publication uh, in any in any way, we, but but to explore, if you like, the borderline uh, borderlines of spirituality and physical existence as well. Okay. I want to ask you: uh, there are certain psychic mediums, especially in the U.S., that have uh, become media superstars. One of them, in particular, is Long Island medium Teresa Caputo, and you have other people that seem to to become uh, you know really famous. But I question this. I question that despite the fact that some of these people may be famous, are they generally authentic and do they have authentic psychic abilities? And is it better – if somebody is very famous and they say they have psychic abilities or claim to have psychic abilities, is it good to highlight that person knowing that they're going to make people question or believe in psychic abilities or do you feel that it is an you have an obligation to look at people regardless of how famous they are? and put them through a big test and say, listen, we have to determine if you are authentic before we cover you. We don't see that as our responsibility. Okay. Um, it, although I'll come on to one aspect of that that we feel is very important. Um, but for, for the majority of uh, top mediums, the ones that uh, make it onto uh, TV shows, etc., it's for others to judge. Um, uh, how would we judge? Uh, we, we would only judge by having sitting, setting up 
uh, seances and, and, and checking out. That's an expensive exercise to do as a publication um, any more than USA Today would be going down that route and expecting to test everybody before they wrote about them. The, the reality is that people that go to mediums have to do their own um, checking. Uh, what worries me today with many of the mediums that give private sittings is how much information they can get in advance from individuals. Uh, for example, if you have to book a sitting, a lot of a lot of mediums these days will do sittings with Skype, which is a very good way, for example, of me in the United Kingdom having a sitting with somebody in New York, and we'll just do it uh, via computer, and uh, and we'll see each other on Skype, etc. Now, uh, but to book that, you need to provide your name, details, your credit card details, etc. And if somebody is not genuine, um, they could glean a lot of information in, in advance. Now, I'm not saying that happens very often. Uh, it would be quite rare, I, I guess. But we know from the high-profile cases, particularly fortune tellers, um, how much people can be scammed, uh, how gullible people are. Um, and no amount of us telling people uh, within the laws of libel who might be genuine and who might not be um, uh, would, would really change people's minds. We had a very interesting case in the UK um, recently of a medium who gave physical seances. Now, these have always been very controversial way back into the 1800s because generally they are dark room seances and they are alleged to produce physical spirits. Um, in the, they use ectoplasm is somehow produced to produce individual spirits who then communicate with their loved ones. Um, I've sat in on five different me physical mediums over the years and never once have I been impressed or convinced that they were genuine. And I've said so in in print. Um, one has to be careful of claiming they're fraud because they, you know, unless you catch somebody red-handed, you can't uh, go that far. But what happened recently, this particular guy who had been uh, giving lots of seances in the UK. He also went to Australia, gave many seances there. Um, and what happened was a, one of the uh, sanctuaries in the UK had a, a CCTV uh, um, camera set up which didn't emit much visible light. And it happened to be positioned in a corner of the room where he gave that seance, and it clearly recorded him after the lights were turned out. Uh, he was supposed to be tied very securely with cable ties to a chair, um, and he clearly got out, wandered around the room, was touching people, moving people, moving things around to make it look like they were levitating in the air, etc. So he was exposed by this, and we carried that story, and we began a campaign which we um, uh, have been very successful with in, in getting people uh, and churches and centers to sign up to. And what we're, what we're saying is that if you are a physical medium, uh, you should be willing to sit under conditions where the proceedings are recorded by thermal imaging cameras. So these are not casting any light into the room. The room might still look dark, but the camera would uh, record if the medium actually came out of the cabinet, which is what is usually a curtained-off recess, uh, and began walking around and uh, and creating these phenomena. And as a as a policy, editorial policy, we will not report any physical seances uh, where. Uh, thermal imaging cameras are not used. That's awesome. Um, so that's that, that's what we can do for that. 
But we, you can't put that's, that. That's quite a limited. There's only a, a handful of people claiming to have these powers. Um, there are hundreds, possibly thousands of mediums who claim to have psychic, clairvoyant, clairaudient powers, um, most of whom, as far as I'm concerned, are, are almost certainly genuine. I've had superb evidence from mediums, including in my early days, I always booked under an assumed name, and I also made sure uh, that I didn't give anything away during the sitting. I would only give yes and no answers, um, and I, I was blown away with some of the evidence. So I have no doubt at all that mediums uh, uh, can be genuine, are capable of uh, providing amazing evidence, um, and, and, and that's uh, and that changed my life, I have to say, and it changed my outlook on life. It gave me a new spiritual understanding uh, of what, what, what life's about, and uh, hopefully I'm a better person for it, and I'm hoping that readers of uh, Psychic News um, experience the same transformation over a period of time. Well, I have to say, I'm pretty, really impressed that, that you, you carry around a, a lot of reasonable doubt about this, that you're willing to hold people to a high degree, because uh, you know, I think that when you do that and you're not just kind of going along with something that you're always going to find a higher amount of truth. From your perspective, what do you find or what have you found have been three or five of the most authentic or most powerful psychic mediums that you've ever come across? I was wondering if you can name each person that you've come up, uh, each one of these five and uh, name why. The, uh, the first one I would talk about is a lady called Bertha Harris, who sadly is no longer with us. She was a very elderly lady when I first sat, sat with her. Um, she, I booked, uh, I, I'd been told about her and I booked over the phone. I gave a false name, not that my name would have meant anything to her at, at, at that time. And I was, from memory, I was about 19, 18 or 19 years old. And she was astonished when she opened her door to me and said, oh, I wasn't expecting somebody so young. And anyway, so I went in sat down she gave me a two hour long sitting all of which uh was impressive uh some of it was about family members of mine who had passed over um other bits of it were uh, psychic and, and there's a difference between psychic communication and mediumistic mediumistic is direct communication with spirit individuals psychic is picking up something from your aura and about influences in your life, etc. Uh, and, and she gave me a lot of evidence. And towards the end, she said to me, when you, you're a very skeptical person. When you leave here, my spirit guide is telling me you will think about what I've told you today and you will decide that everything I've told you, I was reading your mind because everything I've told you, you were able, obviously, to confirm um, so that it was just some form of telepathy. And so she said, my guide is going to give you some information that you're going to have to go away and check, and that will convince you. And she said, he's telling me you work in a room. I would, Incidentally, in those days, this was before I joined Psychic News, I was a junior reporter on a, a, a clothing trade journal, um, very different from the work I do these days. Um, she said, you you work with a man. She said, I've got a, a man here who tells me you work with his son. You work in an office with other people, but his son is the only other man. The others are female. She said, he's telling me his name is Smith. She said, I'm sorry, it's such a common name, but I can't change his name if his name is Smith. And his initials are WG or WJ. She said, I can't, I'm getting this uh, phonetically. I can't quite distinguish whether it's a G or J, but it's a W. And he died um, of a lung condition. And she said, you, you won't know anything about this, but you'll need to check it. Now, that was, it, it half impressed me because I worked in, a, in the office uh, with just one other man. His name was Arthur Smith. So the Smith was right. 
but he often talked about going to visit his parents at the weekend, and as far as I was concerned, his father was alive and well. Um, but when I got an opportunity to question him uh, about this, and he was quite taken aback that I was asking whether his father was alive or had passed on, and he said, actually, he said, I have no recollection of my father because he died when I was just a baby. I don't, I never recall seeing him. Um, and he died uh, during the First World War, and his initials were WG. So she was spot on with that. And I said, well, do you know how he died, what it was? And he said, uh, he got wounded, he said, but I have no idea, but I'm visiting my mother and my stepfather um, this weekend, and I'll check. And when he came into the office on the following Monday, he said, I checked with my mother, and the death certificate said it was a lung condition. It was actually, I think, inhaling mustard gas in the trenches of the First World War. Um, so that convinced me uh, pretty impressively that... that uh, telepathy or reading the sitter's mind was not an explanation and because none of that was in my mind and the only logical explanation and I've yet to come up with an alternative that's just as satisfying was that actually this man's father did communicate through Bertha Harris um, to, to convince me early on that spirit communication was possible. You, can I just pause you there for one second? Yep. When it comes to receiving information from spirits, I'm pondering and wondering if we are all part of source, we are all part of the universal frequency, call it God, call it source, whatever you want to call it, and somebody reveals a piece of information and they say, okay, this is an information that's being conveyed or communicated through a spirit that is past or spirit that's around you. Is there a way to actually tell if that information is coming from a spirit or is that information coming from the frequency that is known as source? If you are one with the frequency as source and you are God and you are part of all living things, do you not carry all pieces of information at the tips of your fingers? Could that information be conveyed directly as a result of communicating with your spirit, which is all-knowing because it is a part of source? Or does that information necessarily have to come from a spirit that's communicating with you? Uh, that's a good question. The, I do know mediums that I haven't got a clue, I suspect, where the information is coming from when they, when they give it. Um, they, they dress up the information they're getting as if it is a spirit communication. Um, but the question I would put to you um, in response is, if we are able to just tune in to source and get any bit of information we wanted, where does the direction come from? Why would this medium um, be able to tune in to somebody who was the father, uh, the, somebody I didn't know, but was the father of somebody I worked with? Uh, maybe that's possible, um, but from all the evidence I've seen, and I've reported on public demonstrations of mediumship uh, for 40, 50 years, uh, and spoken afterwards to the recipients of messages, um, I have no doubt that there is something so uh, genuinely um, pertinent, relevant uh, to that individual, that there is a sense of direction that is coming from the person that's being described. So uh, I'm satisfied. I understand that some people might prefer to interpret that information in another way, but everything I've seen with the best mediums would certainly uh, uh, do that, you know, provide that information. If I can quickly jump to another sure. person that um, has given me a, a lot of, well, it has left me in no doubt about spirit communication. Um, it's a, actually, he was a trance healer. His name was George Chapman. Um, I knew him. I got to know him very well. I worked with him um, to produce a couple of books, uh, one of which we've just reissued in the UK uh, with an updated, um, uh, some updated material called, uh, it's called Surgeon 
from another world. Now, George Chapman went into trance and was controlled by the spirit of a an ophthalmic surgeon called William Lang. Now, William Lang had been uh, quite an eminent surgeon. He worked at some of the top hospitals in London. Um, he he was famous for some of his uh, operating techniques. And when he died, George Chapman, who became his medium, was just a teenager living in Liverpool. Their paths could never have crossed. And yet, within 10 years of William Lang passing, George Chapman had developed the mediumship and William Lang began communicating regularly through him and performing etheric operations on people. Now, it's too long a story for me to explain how this happened, what happened, but many of the people that had operations, these etheric operations from him, um, were cured of the problems they had. There was no, it wasn't 100% guarantee you'd be cured, but some of the uh, results were absolutely outstanding with the result that even doctors went to him and took patients to him. And uh, that's, uh, that all the evidence for that is, is in the book that I wrote. Most impressive of all was that William Lang had a daughter called Lyndon Lang. When she heard soon after George Chapman's mediumship developed, that somebody was claiming that her father was uh, controlling them in trance and, uh, and doing operations, she was determined to expose him as a fraud. So she arranged, um, I believe under another name or through a friend, to attend one of his healing sessions. And when she went into the room, uh, William Lane greeted her as his daughter, they had a long session talking about things. She was instant. There was no doubt at all that it was Lang, uh, her father, communicating. And as a result of that, for a period of something like 15, 20 years, I think it was, she had weekly sessions with uh, George Chapman so that she could speak to her father. And she brought many of his medical co colleagues to talk to him as well. Uh, she, I, the names of those people are in, in the book. And at the, when she died, she left uh, her estate to uh, George Chapman, the medium who was channeling her father. Um, again, most people will, many people will find that too incredible a story to, uh, to swallow, if you like. Uh, but the evidence is there, and a, a daughter uh, who was a very uh, intelligent woman, and the medical people uh, that went to, uh, to to have treatment or took their patients to him, many of whom I interviewed for the book, uh, had no doubt that they were talking to a, a surgeon who had lived on Earth, was um, very uh, well uh, respected and had decided he wanted to continue his healing mission from uh, the other side of life. That's really interesting that you're, you're pointing out some specific examples of you know, people blown away by this. They were able to see evidence. I don't know about you, but I feel that some, a lot of people say, well, you know, if psychics exist, prove it to me. And they always have that, you know, prove it, prove it. And they always want to see a scientific explanation for it. And I think of this as a visualization. If you are having dinner, and you don't have an extra plate for someone, how can you expect new information to come in? How can you expect someone to show up if you're not setting up a plate for them? And I, when I'm using that as a visualization reference is that if you're not open-minded enough to accept the idea of new information coming in or accept the idea that your ideology up at this point is um, can be changed or modified, how can you prove to someone in any form whatsoever that the psychics do exist and this phenomenon is real? Because it seems that the... You're open-minded. It seems a lot of your readers are open-minded, so it seems that they were able to more engage that. But how would you do that? How have you been able to find people who've had a lot of questions about psychics and kind of get them more open-minded to the existence that these uh, gifts are real? 
I'm not sure that that's possible in, in many cases. Um, I think we all have a moment, uh, hopefully, in, in, in our life when we become more open-minded or something happens to make us. But I have friends who do not accept spiritualism or mediumship. Um, they're living very happy lives. It's not important to them. Uh, but for me, uh, however, my my view, very strong view, is that that looking for the evidence, receiving the evidence, puts your whole life and your pur- purpose in life uh, in, into perspective. Um, but I, I don't think it's our job uh, at, at Psychic News to try to convince people we want to just open a, a door or two and say, look, this happened to someone. Here's, here's what uh, people uh, like Lord Dowding, who was the who was the person who masterminded the Battle of Britain in World War II and was also a famous spiritualist. Uh, and he held seances. He received messages from dead airmen who had been shot down uh, during the war. And he would actually convey those messages to um, their loved ones. I mean, sometimes they'd even give an address, uh, amazingly, um, but that's how it happened. I'm sure not every recipient of the messages, even though they came from Lord Dowding, were totally, totally convinced, but it's up to the individual. Uh, Either you accept and you're ready for that next stage in your spiritual growth, if you like, uh, but uh, spirituality and, uh, and enlightenment can't really be forced on, on anybody. But we, what, we just try to be a platform uh, for a very wide field and, and let people see just what's going on and make their own decisions which path to follow. And I want to remind everyone real quick about your website. It's psychicnews.org.uk. And when you go here, you're going to find so many issues covering so many topics. And I find your magazine very fascinating. And I was wondering, in the last five years, maybe the last five or ten years, what would be some of the most compelling stories that you've covered or some of the most compelling news items that you've broken? There are so many. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, a a lot of the stories – that are impressive are, are really very, they're, they're personal stories. So they're relevant to the people um, that we're reporting on. But but during the period that we uh, have been publishing, um, a whole range of things. I mean, J.D. Ryan and his ESP experiments would certainly have been covered in the early days of uh, psychic news. Uh, in the days uh when Maurice Barbonell was editing the, the newspaper, people like Mae West were attending spiritualist meetings regularly and, uh, and other celebrities as well. So we've covered quite a few um, celebrity uh, stories uh, as well. Uh, there's the arrival of Yuri Geller on the scene, whatever one may feel about his abilities, as, um, whether they are psychic or whether he's just a very clever magician is up to other, others to decide. Um, I've interviewed him. Um, I, I've interviewed Edgar Mitchell when he was fresh back from the moon. Uh, he was visiting London and I got a chance to talk to him and he, uh, mentioned what he had seen Yuri Geller doing at Stanford University, uh, sorry, Stanford Research Institute. And uh, so we were the first people to report on Geller before he really hit, hit the headlines. Um, I, got, I got to meet and interview Ingo Swan, um, whose remote viewing ability uh, is just, uh, ast- has been ast- astonishing. Uh, but it touches on what you were saying earlier about the source. I mean, if if somebody like Ingo Swan can remotely, and a lot of others as well, of course, can remotely gather information, um, just having uh, various 
coordinates on a map, um, it, it, it's fair that we should be questioning where other information is coming from and whether it is spirit-inspired or whether it is um, a tuning into a, a much wider source of information. Um, I don't pretend, and, and, and as a magazine, we don't pretend to have all the answers. Uh, and one of the great things about producing a publication like Psychic News is that we can be forever asking questions, inviting people to give their version of uh, what is uh, what, what they're experiencing, and also throwing it open to debate. And uh, on that score, reincarnation is a has been a subject that's fascinated me over the years. <laughs> uh, spiritualists generally in the past, when I first became involved, were very anti-reincarnation. Really? But, yeah. Um, what were they, they anti-reincarnation? I mean, I think that, that, that's like a cornerstone of the, the, the whole evolution, coming back. It's and, interesting, you see, because I think certainly the early spiritualists, for them... The next, when you died, you went to the summer land, and and that's where you stayed forever, heaven, if you like, and it was a spiritualist version of heaven. Uh, and so, and then when when your loved ones died, they, you'd be reunited with them, so there'd be a huge reunion. And the idea of reincarnation um, wasn't that attractive to many of them, uh, regardless of whether it was a real phenomenon or not. Uh, because you might get to the next world looking forward to meeting your your loved ones and find they've all reincarnated and they're back on Earth. So uh, I think I, I think that has coloured many people's uh, or did colour many people's view of reincarnation in the early days. But I think the work of Professor Ian Stevenson at the University of Virginia and we've I've met him on I met him on several occasions um, and reported. Uh, his views and some of his fantastic case studies that he did, and particularly his work with children that are born with birthmarks and birth defects that have um, a relevance to a past life. Um, this is, uh, I think, uh, given us enough evidence to say that reincarnation uh, does occur. It might not occur with, for everybody, but the evidence, I think, is very, very strong. And I think that that has changed. Um, the view generally has changed, and people are much more open to to, to that possibility. I, I, I'm pleased to say. What three established ideals or beliefs that you had prior to working with Second News that have been shattered as a result of being part of your publication? Have there been three truths that have been completely shattered, or three revelations about life and spirituality that you've come to? That's that's a, a tough one to answer. I think I don't think anything is it was shattered. It, I, I think it's a growing awareness of possibilities. Um, I think certainly I probably had no interest or belief in reincarnation when I first began um, um, exploring spiritualism, if you like. Um, but I've gone on to make that my main personal interest, not just. The psychic news itself touches, touches on the subject quite regularly, um, but I've researched it in some depth and wrote a book called The Big Book of Reincarnation. Um, but uh, I, I do have friends within spiritualism who still do not accept it. So, um, uh, so that's not a shattering of belief. It's a, a new outlook on life that I never had before I became involved with spiritualism. The other, the biggest surprise, I think, also was the business of channeling, because Maurice Barbonell, who I mentioned uh, to you as being the founding editor of Psychic News back in 1932, he had been a skeptic until he'd been invited to sit in at a seance in London, which uh, when he was, I think he was also a teenager at the time, and he apologized after the seance ended because he thought he'd fallen asleep. And they said to him, oh, no, don't apologize. You, you've you been talking to us, and uh, your, your spirit guide has been talking. Now, his spirit guide turned out to be somebody called Silver Birch, um, a North American Indian 
but uh, in fact not a North American Indian because uh, Silver Birch said he there was a higher intelligence communicating through him. So Silver Birch was like the medium, if you like, between Maurice Barbonell and a much higher source of information that was being channeled down. Um, but the philosophy of Silver Birch um, touches on reincarnation on a very regular basis, but also on much more. Um, and his books, um, and there's, I think, a series of about 14 different books, uh, including uh, the teachings of Silver Birch is probably the most famous, I think give a wonderful insight into what uh, our spirit, what spiritualist philosophy is all about and the importance of love and, and whatever. I won't try to even uh, encapsulate it, uh, but I would recommend those books uh, very highly. So they gave me a new, um, and working with him, gave me a, a new insight into uh, spirituality, if you like, that I hadn't got from Orthodox religion uh, as a boy. Um, so that's that's uh, the other thing. Um, and I think probably the third thing is I really have become totally open-minded to almost any possibility whilst, re <laughs> whilst retaining quite a skeptical nature. I, 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 I do demand proof, although there are some areas that are you, you wouldn't be able to prove, maybe. But I'm open to um, the fact that this is just this life that we're living at the moment is but a, a moment in time, and that life, the life that lies ahead of us, um, will be just as exciting and uh, and have as much potential and broaden the, our understanding of the nature of the universe and. Uh, you know, and what we all have to uh, contribute to it. Mr. Roy Stennon, editor of Psychic News. Learn more about Mr. Stennon by going to his website at psychicnews.org.uk. It's a phenomenal publication every month. They are uh, exploring cutting-edge topics. Roy, we're so thankful we had an opportunity to speak with you. A lot of respect for you and all that you do, sir. Thank you for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Joining us now. Internationally respected psychic medium, Miss Lisa McGarity. You can learn more about Miss McGarity. Get a reading done with Miss McGarity by going to her website at lisamcgarity.com. Mr. Garrity, from your perspective. Hi, Ryan. Hey, welcome back to the program. Always a pleasure to nice have you. Nice to talk to you. So oh, good to be here. Thank you. What would your some of your initial impressions on the energy readings from Mr. Stenham? I really enjoyed tuning into him. He was a terrific guy and an interesting soul, and my guides were explaining to me that his focus each time he comes back has always been around death and understanding death and what the purpose and the process of death really is. So it's not surprising to me that he would be interested in mediumship this go-around. I was shown a couple of different lifetimes, but the one that I thought was most interesting, I was shown a past life for him where he was working as a scribe in what looked to me to be Alexandria in ancient Egypt, inside the city of Alexandria. And I was shown him transcribing religious documents and also recording healing formulas. And I feel like in that lifetime he became aware that the temple priests were putting on shows. They were doing what was more like illusions or more like what we would consider were magic tricks. And as a very upstanding, ethical type of person, he was really put off by that. And I'm told that in that lifetime is when his spirit became very interested in spirituality, but also had this quest buried right inside of him to be truthful and honorable when it came to spirituality. And he developed a kind of cynicism, but it was, I think, a healthy cynicism where he took a look at people in spiritual communities across a bunch of different lifetimes, and he always had the question, is this person for real? Are they genuine? Are they sincere? And I feel like that questioning has carried over from his Egyptian lifetime right up until today. And did you sense anything about where his spirit is going, his future trajectory of his spirit? Well, I feel from him a real playful, kind of fun-loving type of man. And my sense of it is that 
when, not that it's happening soon, but when his time comes that he's going to go into the next dimension, he's going to be that mischievous, playful person who goes around and around to all kinds of different spiritual mediums and does a little bit of trickery, visits his relatives, opens doors, flashes lights, just because he likes to see people laugh. And if he can bridge that gap between the physical and the non-physical, that's what he's all about. So that's what it feels like he's going to be doing, you know, while he's alive and after he's alive. And Mr. Gotti, is there any spirit that has been with them? Are there any spirits that have been with them throughout consecutive lifetimes that uh, he's continued to uh, consult with? In terms of family members, it does feel like there's a strong female energy that's been watching him throughout the course of his lifetime. And I also feel like he's connected to what we would consider um, Hermes or I'm going to say Hermes, the Egyptian version. So he has an interest in magic, in recording, in writing, and communication. That's what his soul has been working on from lifetime to lifetime. Miss Lisa McGarity, an astro-respected psychic medium, I want to appreciate that. Thank you so much for your analysis. You can learn more about Miss McGarity and get your own reading done with Miss McGarity by going to her website at lisamcgarity.com. Thank you so much, Miss McGarity. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Joining us now is the astrophenom, our incredible astrologer, Miss Constance Stellis. You can learn more about Miss Constance Stellis and get a reading done with Miss Constance Stellis by going to her website at ConstanceStellis.com. Miss Stellis, what can you tell us about the chart, Mr. Roy Stenham? Well, he's a for real psychic. Um, uh, there's no doubt about that from his chart. Um, and just to tell people, um, a psychic operates in a different mode than an astrologer, for example. A psychic is tuned in to the vibrations of the person they're reading or the situation that they're reading and gets messages. And these could be that they hear a message that's called clairaudience or they see a vision, clairvoyant, or sometimes um, a psychic will hold an object that belongs to the person that they're reading, and that serves to focus their their abilities. So there's many ways that a psychic can um, pick up the information that uh, he then delivers to to the client or to the world or to whomever. Uh, an astrologer uh, is a little bit has a combination of intuition and technical. Um, ability. Technical meaning that there is a chart which is erected for the time, date, year, and place of a person's birth. And that um, gives a map or a blueprint to the astrologer of the energies that um, went into creating this, this person. And then the question is how they're all working together or not working together, and also what is happening currently in the heavens that um, will be affecting the chart. So both um, uh, occult practitioners, we'll call it that, can, quote-unquote, see the future, but it's in a different way. Um, and um, in general, astrologers seem to be more accurate time-wise, but some psychics are very good with that. But that's kind of a, a prejudice uh, of mine. Um, Roy has a grand earth trine. A trine is three planets in a triangle shape. And um, the three planets are Neptune, the Sun, and Uranus, Saturn uh, together. I mean, they're, they're close together. And I've noticed this grand earth trine in many um, excellent psychics charts. And it's very good for them to have that much earth well, yeah. I, was, I, was about I don't know if Roy is necessarily psychic. I mean, he, he's the editor of Psychic News. I get it's, he didn't really push himself as psychic, but I get the impression that he does have abilities that he really. Oh well, yeah, have. he does. Well, I'm going to get to that because okay. I know he's the editor. But the thing is, is that the, the Psychic News, no, he, he definitely has abilities, but it's very important that they uh, his his talents are in Earth because he's here on Earth, and he's a business person as well and has that skill, and 
he probably hasn't set it, or I mean at this point is not set up to do personal readings, but I'm sure he has done them in the past quite uh, successfully. Um, his chart is also um, a communicator, a writer, which he's doing as an editor. But you can't really, um, you know, it's not like writing about science if you're not a scientist. I mean, you, you have to have some appreciation for the, for the occult, and he definitely has, and is able to keep grounded on the earth with um, very different ways about gaining knowledge, we'll put it that way. Excellent. And do you see anything in his chart that indicates his prime reason for incarnating for this particular life, do you feel that there was a lot of unresolved issues that mm -hmm. did not mm -hmm. resolve the last mm -hmm. one? Do you feel that? Yeah. This, okay. Um, he 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 had lifetimes of a natural gift of faith and spirituality, lifetimes, and that kind of um, intuition and otherworldliness was uh, very much part of his personality and his, his root, um, his path of, of knowledge. However, this lifetime, he is not meant to use those intuitive gifts, but to develop discernment and separating fact from fiction, even though we could say, well, all psychics are fiction. You know, I mean, if you want to say that, I think it's a little narrow-minded, you know, in my opinion. But it is important not to be uh, swept away by someone else's power who claims that they see visions for you and uh, or that they, they give predictions um, uh, for you. So this lifetime for him is to be much more analytical, much more discerning uh, than just kind of saying, I believe, I believe, I believe. And I think that's why it's very successful that he's um, uh, editing and working with this, uh, is it a magazine or a newsletter? Yes, magazine. Yeah, a magazine. Because he has an appreciation for the, the skill and or the, the, the talent of um, the spirit world, and he also wants to, you know, put out a legitimate paper that, that can, can be fact-checked, because the big problem with psychics and astrologers is that um, no one says, well, how many of your predictions come true, or whatever. We all want to believe that somebody knows, and astrologers know a lot, and psychics know a lot. Sometimes they make mistakes also. And it's, um, I think, a, a healthy dose of balance to understand uh, when, um, not that, that oh, oh, you're wrong, you're no good. That's not true. But, but that, that we're all trying to understand what, what's going on in our own ways. And psychics, astrologers, card readers have different ways of knowing um, and I, I think that he's made a lot of um, headway in his life in, in, in blending a very discerning um, mentality rather than I believe because I believe. Ms. Ellis, based on Roy's chart, do you find that if he is analyzing a psychic that happens to have a sign where he's going to have a natural conflict with, that he's going to be instinctively more skeptical of that psychic just based on the astrological Yeah, I think, th I think that that would be fair to say because he has a, a quite a bit of, of, we could say, rigidity or willfulness in his chart. So um, uh, he, he's not a wishy-washy person. If he if he doesn't kind of groove on you, you're out. <laughs> um, there's a there's a stubborn core, um, or a willful. We'll say willful. Stubborn has a negative um, connotation, because everybody has different ways of living, and um, 
Capricorn, which he is a Capricorn with an Aquarius moon, is a very, very determined, focused sign. So um, there's nothing kind of um, uh, overly flexible or touchy-feely about his chart. Very intuitive and very skilled, but what he sees is what he sees, and that's the way it is. Miss Constance Stellis, the astrophenom. I want to thank you so much for your great analysis, Mr. Roy Stenham. To learn more about Miss Constance Stellis and get your own astrological chart done with Miss Constance Stellis, please go to our website at constancestellis.com. Thank you so much for being with us today, Miss Stellis. My pleasure. My pleasure. Joining us now is the queen of the universe, internationally respected psychic medium, Miss Terry O'Connor. To learn more about Miss Kerry O'Connor, get a reading done with Miss Kerry O'Connor by going to her website at kerryoconnor.com. Miss O'Connor, what can you tell us about your analysis of Mr. Roy Stenham? Stenham. Mr. Roy Stenham is a very, very interesting man. I lo- he's a lovely energy, Ryan. He's very sharp, sharp as a tack. He's very clear cognitive. That's the clear knowing part of his portal of intuition. And he's definitely in the... Um, Great job. He's got this investigator energy all around him, and he's not afraid to push the envelope. He just comes in with that energy. And a lot of people that we interview, I always start with that forerunner energy, but he's like a forerunner, forerunner energy. But you know what's the interesting thing, Ryan, is when I first tapped into his energy, all of a sudden, like a comic strip bubble, and that's how I will see information sometimes, and I saw the bubble is loaded with information. All of a sudden, I saw an image of him in a past life where he was connected to Paul Revere and the Minutemen, and that was a very strong influence on in this life where he was like the announcer. It wasn't Paul Revere, but part of that little gang there going down the street and the British were coming, the British were coming. Interesting that he's a British person in this lifetime, but he has a lovely energy. He's not afraid to um, push the envelope. I studied um, um, spiritualism after um, – being raised Catholic, spiritualism, I kind of stumbled into the um, that church. But that spiritualism teaching really um, uh, was gave me like this energetic permission to um, to make sure that it's like that I wasn't crazy. <laughs> that there were other people that studied mediumship and they wanted proof of survival and stuff. So I loved when I heard the whole psychic news was was based on spiritualism and it has a strong root to spiritualism. And his energy, he's, again, like the advocate, the forerunner advocate. And he's in the perfect position because he's got, again, that bridger energy. And I love that he calls people out on um, if they're fakes. I love that he's not afraid to um, say if somebody isn't um, is literally faking, where he was told a story about with the physical phenomena where somebody, they had a camera going and they saw the guy coming around and touching people. Because those give other people that are legitimate a bad name. And I also, like, he, he absolutely acknowledges and investigates those people that are truly gifted. So he lets people, he comes in with a very broad energy. Sometimes when you have that advocate energy, you could really have a very strong opinion, like my way, highway, this is the way it is. But he really gives people the flexibility, like he feeds them the knowledge so they could digest it, and they, he points a direction, but he doesn't force it, and that's a beautiful thing. That's a, a beautiful soul, teaching soul, wonderful person. Excellent. And do you see any particular spirits that are around him that may have been in a life incarnation, uh, uh, may have been that maybe dead spirits or people who died that are around him? And also, do you see any spirits that are around him that may actually be from previous life incarnations? The one that I also said, the one, the Minute Man was definitely a past life. So he again was connected to one of the twelve people that supported Paul Revere during that whole the British are coming, British were coming. That he was um, actually, he, I, I see that he got to, um, tuberculosis and he died shortly after that. So it was short circuited. So when people have that line, he had that he wasn't able to complete his task. So he comes in with this emergence, urgency energy that. Again, I want to announce, I want to um, investigate and, um, and be a journal. Then I saw this lifetime that was very um, significant for him, and it had to do with um, astrology, astronomy, and a lot of the Greek, like the Plato area. That had a strong influence and um, 
and uh, as far as a life, but when I see a thumbprint, that means to me one lifetime that influences his soul. He gets um, uh, still gets knowledge from that. That absolutely had him even go in the direction of the spiritualist and explore and do what he does and get the you know the whole psychic magazine. And as far as family members that were around him, this is interesting with with his energy field. I love when I see family members are around, but when they back up for us to connect to either aspects of our higher self, and that's what we want, a direct line to ourselves when we were in incarnation, and let's say we're a shaman and we had, um, we're a great healer. When we make a, a direct line and, and can communicate, we could draw upon that and it, we could, it will enhance our, our healing. He's got a writer all over him, and I saw him in a lifetime in particular that would be astronomer lifetime. He also was into publishing, and he, again, would take something that could be very complicated and and um, and very science but he's able to spoon-feed it for people. So he's had many, many incarnations with that, and that, those parts, the aspects of spirit, you could say, back him up and are the backbone to really support him in this lifetime. But uh, he with them a lot. Ms. Gunner, is there any life challenge or purpose that he has in this life incarnation that he's still working on or has he pretty much accomplished everything and is he um and also is there anything that you think is unresolved that he could be working and focusing on before you ask that question i start getting answers and this is fascinating the first thing i went to was his right knees and i literally was pulled into like almost like a symbolic water on his knees and if he on this lifetime he has to like his knees can do a knee knock it's a defense mechanism again, carried over from lifetimes before when there was, I call it the surprise betrayal attack. So imagine literally being on the front lines of a war and having a surprise attack, physically, mentally, emotionally. And a lot of his lifetimes, he's done physical um, war and, or even like the Templar kind of energy. So he definitely has the Knights of Templar and, and was around that kind of um, energy. So as far as the challenges, the knees, when they're, they, their emotional body gets very, very tight, the knees also symbolically represent moving forward, ability to move forward. And I literally feel on his right knee that he could have had an old injury that bothered him. Um, but the question, has he completed stuff? He completed a lot of stuff. I think we're always here to evolve, you know, Ryan. I think that there's always things that we continue to explore as aspects of creator. But he's really done, it's like when I see a 360-degree rotation, like the thing of, like, the end like the end of this cycle where I'm sure the next time he might not even decide to come into this physical plane. He could be exploring other dimensions, like a Syrian energy connection. Um, but, yeah, he's done He's done a lot of the purpose. The advocate was able to be the advocate, and, again, he was able to um, digest the information for people, make things not seem so, um, like Stuart Weil would call it, woo-woo and so far out and out there. He's, for those people that are – testing the waters and starting to in, um, investigate it, he gives them a very, very safe environment, and there's a very kind um, conciseness within his energy pattern that people feel, and that was, you could say, one of his major life purposes here, and he's done it. He's absolutely done it. Miss Carrie O'Connor, the queen of the universe and internationally respected psychic media, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. To learn more about Miss Carrie O'Connor and get a reading down with Miss Carrie O'Connor. Please go to our website at carryoconnor.com. Thank you so much for being with us today, Ms. O'Connor. Thank you, Ryan. Always my pleasure. Okay, everyone. This concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Intertooth Radio Show. Special thanks to our amazing guest, Mr. Roy Sinem with the Psychic News. So happy we had him. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Lisa Caza, and Ms. Constance Stellas. To learn more about the Out of Limits of Intertooth Radio Show, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Till the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, this is Ryan, host and executive producer of the Out of Limits of Intertooth Radio Show. I've got some questions for you. So is that romantic relationship going to work out? Are you going to get that job you're seeking? Is the life that you're living right now going to turn out exactly the way you want it? Well, I don't have the answers to those questions. However, I know three amazing individuals that can probably shed some light on those very burning questions and other burning questions you may have. And those are the virtues. Miss Carrie O'Connor, carrieoconnor.com. Miss Lisa Caza, Psychic Empath, at lisacaza.com. 
and the Astro Phenom, Miss Constantellis at Constantellis.com. All three of these individuals are incredible, and all three can provide you the insight, guidance, and perspective you need to have a greater and more fulfilling life. I love these women. I love them so much. As a matter of fact, I'm encouraging you to call and reach out to them because not only are they three of the best uh, metaphysical teachers and seekers that I've ever come across, but out of sympathy because I drive them crazy. I constantly call them and ask them questions, and they got to hear my voice, and I feel so bad for them. And the reason why they tolerate me is because they want to they, they keep on going. They want to you know, be a part of the show and, and just keep on trucking along. But I know deep down inside, I, oh, the sound of my voice just drives them absolutely crazy. So the nicest thing you could do is to call them up, give them a break from hearing the sound of my voice, which cures insomnia on a dime, and ask them some questions. Ask them some questions about uh, your life and how they can be of assistance to you. All three are incredible. I highly recommend getting a reading with all three. That is Psychic Medium. Miss Carrie O'Connor at CarrieOConnor.com. That is Psychic Empath. It's Lisa Casa at LisaCasa.com. And of course, the Astro Phenom. Miss Constance Dallas at ConstanceDallas.com. I'm Ryan McCormick with the Outer Limits of Energy Radio Show. Thank you so much for listening. Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick PR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based clients. Goldman McCormick PR also are specialists in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com.